best backup dancer, they're all, they'll all be sorry. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> I mean, I saw your moves, and uh, I'm yeah. going to be honest, there's a real potential there. You think that I, yeah. 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 I mean, thank you. I was, I thought you were going to say something mean, so I was immediately on the defense, <laughs> on the defense. but no. never mind. No, it was you, very, you very well done. Me, unlike someone else I know, mom. <laughs> <laughs> um, Welcome to Paranormal. Yeah, I'm your host, Marie. <laughs> and I'm your co-host, Nicolina Savelli. We're both the hosts. We're both hosts. There's two hosts here. Today I'm the co-host because she said her name first. You know what? It's not even that. We're both the co-hosts. We're both co-hosts. We're we both, have no host. We have no host. <laughs> no one can manage us. No. We're the co-hosts with the mo-hosts. We're ho-hosts. Thank you for that. You're welcome. That was the best. I'm going on tour with Eminem after BTS. <laughs> Sick. <laughs> uh, what up? We're back. How was your week? Uh, it was good. It was good. <laughs> Mine was, was good. Yeah. This is the Great. second time we're recording this. Heads um, up, everyone. <laughs> uh, you know, I did want to mention something. There's the ghost. There's the ghost. Oh. Oh, maybe it's Katie. I'm going to just believe it was a ghost because of our podcast. Okay. No, I'm just kidding. It was definitely your roommate. Um, I wanted to tell, I wanted to talk about my, before we do astrology stuff. Yes. So I did a compatibility chart. <gasps> oh, for a yeah. bunch. So I've been doing it now. Like I mentioned it to someone and now everyone is asking me to do their compatibility. With they like can their do it 20 themselves. I know, but yeah. they don't, they're little kids. Like they just mm-hmm. don't, like they're 23 year old kids who like don't know what they're doing they don't know which way is up yeah they don't know and then they just like you know they look for mentorship and like I tell them what to do but like they want to be guided so I'm just like you know what I'll just do it for you Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, um mm -hmm. so I I had mentioned that I had done it for myself and this guy that I'm talking to and I was like blown away at how compatible we are Mm -hmm. and I was like do I show him this chart like Mm -hmm. am I gonna be that bitch and like, were you be that crazy? <laughs> yeah, I sent it to him. So nice, and he's still talking to you. So so yeah, he was he's still talking to me. Not only that, but he keeps bringing up the the fact that he's like, so it's because of our chart, right? Like that's yeah. Yes. So I'm like, this is so cute, but like also, yes, it is. It is because of our chart. Yeah, I'm like. To be fair, if somebody that looked like you told me that we were compatible, I'd be like, <laughs> of course we are. <laughs> Always remember that. <laughs> Never forget <laughs> never it. Forget it. No, never forget it. Like, never forget also, it. Also, <laughs> you're really fucking hot. <laughs> Thank you. It's a problem. Nicolina, thanks so yeah. much. So anyway, <laughs> I did that. So that that was like kind of like cool. And like what I realized about this is that you can have unstable charts yourself. Mm-hmm. But if you meet someone whose instability balances your Yours. instability... Yes. You can have a stable chart. Yeah. So I understand this idea of soulmates a little bit more now. Okay. And like not Sam We're is, on the soulmate sorry, sorry. talk. Oh That's not what I meant. That's God. not what I meant. I just meant I can see why people can be so compatible that they make each other better. Yes. Because yeah. those those like instabilities in their own personal lives right. actually become balanced from that other person. Which I've never really believed, like, I've never really, I always just assumed that everyone was just fucked up. Which they are. Yeah. But at the same time, I get when people are like, no, like, this is the one for me. Not that that's happening. I'm just saying that when charts Mm -hmm. are that aligned, I can see why people who are dating, actually dating, (laughs) would would think that. Right. You know? Um, So anyway, yeah. Just leading into horoscope stuff. Just something to think about if you want your charts read. I just realized I have to like reopen all of my fucking um, material for tonight. So uh, that's okay. It's not a big deal. I'm just doing it while you speak. It's okay, not a big well, deal. I'm, it's done. Do... No, it's done. Oh, it's it's done. open. It's great. Um, so I'll read the Leo horoscope first. So okay. do you believe in ghosts? Some strange, <laughs> some strange phone calls, emails, or other communications may come your way today, Leo. One may come from someone who thinks you're someone else. Phone calls may be hang-ups, wrong numbers, or phantom rings, 
if there's a knock at the door, it may be the house settling yeah. and not a ghost, yeah. which just happened that just to happens. us. But it can still be rather unnerving. Try not to think about it. Yeah, so that, I mean, that just happened. So That literally just happened while we were recording. So, so yes, that's somewhat true. So I guess, my day. I guess it is now. <laughs> that two-second thing that just happened. Yeah. That wasn't a very good horoscope, I'm going to be honest. No, I'm, I'm also, yeah, that's I'm like, a little annoyed by it. Yeah, yeah. All right, what's the Gemini? Okay. What's on uh, the docket? I'm not going to sing it like you. Please so. grace us with those vocal cords. <laughs> <laughs> the worst. In Korean, like BTS. In Korean, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Man. I'm really into if that, I had song. that If I had that talent. It's just catchy. Go on. I know. I want to play it in the background of this whole entire podcast. <laughs> just in the background. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And I'll dance because I know the dance yeah. now. Yeah. Sick. <laughs> That's going to be our, our extra content <laughs> for this one. <laughs> Um, are you an artist, writer, or musician, Gemini? All three. If so, your work may take you on a more symbolic or impressionistic tone. Today, you're probably more interested in conveying feelings and impressions than details. It might surprise you that you're thinking along those lines. This urge may vanish tomorrow, so if you like today's work, make the most of it. Try to remember how and why you're doing it. Okay, maybe this is speaking to yeah. the podcast, because I'm like dying yeah you're not able to really focus on the details right yeah now. but yeah. they're like just remember why you're doing this and why am i doing it for the fans for the- <laughs> <laughs> for my fucking fans for my fucking homies for you guys pour one out for the homies mm. uh yeah i do it because like it's fun and it gives me a creative outlet which like i don't have at my job so it's fine cool all right So our stories this week are more history lessons as well as hauntings. So get out your textbooks, kids. For all y'all that are listening to us, not in Canada, you're going to learn some history about where Nicolina and I live. So um, I, mine is about the Battlefield House of Stony Creek, Ontario. So I live in Stony Creek, Ontario. Well, not right now, but I grew up in Stony Creek, Ontario, um, which is now just a, known as Hamilton, part of the big metropolis, Hamilton. The, metropolis. the sprawling metropolis of Hamilton, Ontario. Um, but I lived in Stony Creek. I grew up in Stony Creek and uh, it was a crucial part of Canadian history and a crucial part of the War of 1812. And uh, probably the only reason why we are a country today was us winning the War of 1812. So, big change. and it's mostly why we won the War of 1812 was because of what happened at the Stony Creek Battlefield House. So, this is the only war that was fought on Canadian soil, and it's why the British stayed in North America. Uh, historic remnants are found all over southern Ontario that remind us of the heroes and the violence. Niagara was tar- targeted the most. It was the gateway to British Upper Canada and the focus of the American forces. If that region fell, it was it was believed that the country would have fallen also. This is why General Isaac Brock was stationed at Fort George in Niagara-on-the-Lake. Um, so General Brock died in battle at Queenston Heights, not far from the then capital, which is now known as Niagara-on-the-Lake, which is like, how far do you think Niagara-on-the-Lake is from us? 35 minutes. No, 40 minutes. Probably like 40 minutes, yeah. Yeah. If Marissa's driving, it's like an hour. If I'm driving, it's like 35. But (laughs) (laughs) Um, So American forces took control of the region and they chased the Brits out. Uh, The Brits retreated to Burlington Heights, which is where Hamilton Cemetery is today. The Americans wanted to put an end to the war. They marched to Stony Creek and they made camp at the Gage family farm, which is now known as the Stony Creek Battlefield House. The Gage family was tied up in the basement and the soldiers settled in. Now, we've been on like many field trips to this place. Uh, It was like the place for people, for elementary schools to go on field trips. So we've been in this house where multiple times where these people were tied up. Now, from... Not while they were tied up. No, while while they were tied up. up. I quickly went back in time. (sighs) 
And I did that. Yeah. And then I and then I wrote all of the Beatles music. <laughs> and I, <laughs> I was Janis Joplin. You guys don't know this, but okay. From a nearby hill, a 19-year-old boy whose name was Billy Green watched everything. He had gotten secret or he had gotten secret camp information from his brother-in-law, and he rode by horseback to Burlington Heights, and he got there by 11 o'clock at night. Now, I already told you this the first time we recorded, but it bears repeating because it's a very fucking funny story. It's a great story, yeah. So to to our listeners, I went to Catholic school, and my Catholic school, it was called St. Paul, and there was a public school that shared a football field with us. Mm -hmm. So our schools were about a football field apart from each other. We had no reason to rival the public school next to us. Are we going to name this public school? Yes, it was called Billy Green. Yes. So it was named after this 19-year-old boy. Yes. So we, I didn't know who Billy Green was, obviously, Neither in elementary did I. school. Until today, actually. Literally, like those memes that are like, what day did you know who Billy was Green today was? That was old, today years old. I yeah. found who Billy Green was. Yeah. So, so we had no reason to rival this public school other than... They were a public school and we were a Catholic school. And um, uh, like we didn't play against them in sports. We were in different school districts. It was just funny. And uh, we had a nickname for them and we called them the Billy Green Boogers. And so disrespectful. <laughs> so disrespectful yeah. to the memory of Billy yeah. Green who literally totally. saved Canada. Canada. <laughs> Karma, man. Billy Green Boogers. So I befriended somebody that went to that school like years later and um, I laughed and I told them, did you know yeah. what the nickname was? Like we called you guys Billy Green Boogers and he laughed <laughs> and he was like, that's okay. We also had a nickname for you guys. We called you, <laughs> we called you St. Paul Bible Heads. That's awesome. Honestly, I almost want to get Jules to make a cartoon, a cartoon of that. A Bible hat. Yes. Like a human body, but a yeah. Bible for Anyway, it fucking killed me. So, Billy Green, back to our 19-year-old friend, Billy Green. He rode by horseback, alerted the Brits. So, a surprise night attack was our only chance of winning the war, because there, we had 800 wounded British soldiers, Jesus. and they had 1,400 unharmed American soldiers. Jesus. Yeah. So we marched to them, and as we learned in school, we won the Battle of Stony Creek. And So we just, like, marked, all, like, all of them? Yeah, I think it happened? was, like, a surprise attack. Like, I don't think like, they were sorry, expecting us coming. Americans. But Fuck, I'm not. I mean, not, but also sorry, like, uh, for that. I mean, yeah, maybe. But like not if, really. If you had grandparents um, that were in the war, but your great grandparents of eighteen twelve, great great grandparents. Anyway, anyway, um, I don't feel bad about that. I feel bad about the indigenous people that we slaughtered. But anyway, totally, to the totally feel. Yeah, let's not um, uh, if go too the, far from the story. Here. If the Battle of Stony Creek didn't happen, uh, if the British ended up getting attacked at Burlington Heights, we obviously would have lost. Yeah. So Upper Canada, which is now known as Ontario, would have fallen and Canada would just be a part of the United States, which I mean, like, we're not far off. Let's admit it. I mean, and Colter uh, would beg to differ that we basically are two seconds away from getting taken over by America anyway. She's... She's the worst. She, all of them. I just, dear old white people over there. Yes. Yeah, um, okay. So Mary Jones Gage. So where does she come into the story? Well, you might have heard of her. I've been wondering. When I mentioned just briefly about the family that was tied up in the basement. Yeah. So let's talk about Mary Jones Gage. Okay. So she was a widow. There, uh, Her husband died fighting in the American Revolution, and he was a loyalist offer, offer a loyalist officer. Um <laughs> So with no husband to help support her family, she the British made her an offer and she took the offer. And the offer was to swear allegiance to the crown and she would get free land in Upper Canada. She accepted. Her and her kids, whose names were James and Elizabeth, rode a canoe up the old waterway and settled in Salt Fleet, which is now Stony Creek. Um, so... 
One of the reasons why Mary chose Salt Fleet was because she wanted to join her brother, whose name is Augustus Jones. Uh, he is best known as a surveyor in Barton and is credited for recording maps of everything from Fort Erie to the head of the lake, which is now known as Hamilton. Hamilton named a street after him called Augusta Street, and that is where we go to get hammered. It is full of bars. I think they're 21 plus bars too, right? Like yeah, you can't... it's it's for people who are mature bar goers. <laughs> <laughs> like ourselves. Like ourselves. Yeah. To sip a, very mature. Sip a bourbon. Yes, a bourbon. <laughs> Give a me an old-fashioned. Give me an old-fashioned. Old, old chap. With a twist. Uh, <laughs> With a twist. With a twist. not stirred. Oh, James Bond. <laughs> I don't know where... <laughs> Um, I'm but, having a Gatsby party, speakeasy party in my backyard for this summer. Just oh, I speaking can't of. fucking wait for that. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna so get uh, your fucking flapper ready. I can't wait. I have to get really skinny before that. Um, <laughs> just kidding. That will never happen. Um, uh, no, I was just gonna say our American listeners are probably like 21 plus. That's when we That's can when start we drinking. But for us, you have to be 19, 19 to start drinking. Like or legally. 18 in Quebec. Yes. Yeah. Legally in Ontario, where we live, you only have to be 19 years old to start drinking or to drink at bars. So this street is 21 plus. Yeah. So it's supposed to be for people who are a little bit more mature. Um, but man. Nah. But some of the food on that street, like the ship, is probably like one of my favorite places to eat. Yeah, for sure. For Anyways. Sure. Anyway, that guy got a good... Uh, so, he got a good street. Got a good street. And like, we love you. So he's... Been- <laughs> uh, and we love you. And we love you. So she built a home. So Mary built a home and she started farming. And she was planning to run the family until her son James became of age and took over. She just wanted a peaceful life away from the violent war that killed her husband. It is possible that Mary Gage had the worst luck of anyone in Canadian history. That is a bold statement. Until Marie Adirante was I sometimes born think that, yeah. In 1988. I was going to say me, but I'm like, you know, it's you. No, it's definitely <laughs> me. Definitely. So the Gage family survived the Battle of Stony Creek. She, uh, so they were the family that was tied up in the basement of their own home. So their family home is the home we talked about where the American soldiers came in, tied everyone up in the basement. She died. She survived the battle, but she died inside of the house in the year 1839. She was almost a hundred years old, which back then was unheard of. She was... Uh, resting in the First United Church Cemetery. It was located at King Street East and Wellington Street North. It is now an apartment. It's called the First Place Apartments, which, like, I want to Google and look up. Um, So she was resting there. um, And we're going to get into that in a little bit. So Mary's still at home, you guys. She's still home. If you guys ever want to go visit her. She apparently still haunts the house, the Battlefield House. Uh, The house is now a museum. So like we said, we've been on field trips there in elementary school. You can tour the house. You can tour the grounds. Um, And I remember when I was on uh, an elementary school trip there, they said that they can hear her walking around. Yes. I think, yeah, I don't know exactly where. I know that part of it was like you could hear them walking through there was like a secret staircase where hired help or like the people that live, like the workers that lived in the house yeah, 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 would yeah. use like a back staircase. And apparently the employees would hear people walking up and down them. Um, but employees get stressed because antiques will randomly start disappearing inside of the house. So they freak out. Um, they'll remember that an object was like set up in a room. It was on a table or in a cabinet. And then they'll notice that there's an empty space with like a clear space in the dust in the shape of the object that went missing and they freak because they don't know where this thing went they think maybe somebody on one of our tours stole it um and then they'll desperately search the house and they won't find it like for days yeah they say it goes missing for days and then a lot of them they say right before they quit because they're thinking like they're Fuck, gonna i'm trouble. gonna lose my job yeah so, like i'm just gonna quit um because then like i don't know i don't know exactly what the 
what the repercussions could be if they were like, oh yeah, you were responsible for keeping this fucking artifact safe. It's not that they're just quit. They, they're going to quit looking for it. Or right. No, no, no. It's they want to quit they their job. They will quit their job. Because they're afraid that this yes. priceless artifact is going to be their responsibility. Exactly. Right. Um, so right before they decide they're going to quit, they'll find it in the house, right. like somewhere else where it's not supposed to be. And it says over and over, and this has happened until the staff like figured out what was going on. And they figured it out because the weird part about it was the only items that would move around the house were possessions that belonged to Mary. Yeah. Right. Um, that and electronics will fail in the house and there's a restless energy uh, it is thought that she still haunts the battlefield house, but why is she restless? Well, let me tell you all why she's restless. Have you guys ever heard of a little thing called grave robbing? Yeah. Like every <laughs> other weekend, it's like my pastime, but. Right. Like once you're done, work at the at the bar, you just go. I mean, how do you pay for this house? <laughs> right. <laughs> so grave robbing was popular in the 1800s. Fresh corpses got, you could sell them for a really high price um, oh, I know. to medical schools. <laughs> oh, I know. Oh, I know. To old man Gary down by the bridge. <laughs> I don't know what he does with them. I don't ask and I don't want to know. No. I don't know and I don't want to know. No, they would sell them to medical schools because human dissection was outlawed back then. And um, that's an interesting fact. Yeah. But doesn't explain what happened to, to Mary. Mari. To Mari. To Mori Povich. To Mori Povich. So, <laughs> what happened to Mori Povich? <laughs> what did happen to Mori Povich? So Mary was dead for over 130 years when the first United Church burned down in Hamilton in September of 1969. The land was sold and slated for the first place apartments. That, which is honestly, now that I know that that, yeah, that that like I'm like sad that they decided to build apartment buildings there. It's now just that so I know odd. where like, it I'm is, I'm pretty sure there was other places that didn't have dead people like resting there, especially like historical yeah. figures. Like, why would we like this should be? And it's it's in the heart of our downtown. It's right by our downtown Hamilton sign where this where these things were like. I, I just mean, I feel, get why they I may not have want a cemetery there anymore, but. I can't help but feel like it could have been a historical site instead of a fucking apartment building. Totally. Gentrification, like we, man. Gentrification, Fuck. man. We were talking about that at dinner tonight at my mom's. Oh, man. Yeah, we got really into it. <laughs> so anyways. Um, so. Uh, the land sold off and was slated for the first place apartments. The final task before building the apartments was that they had to move the bodies in the cemetery. Mm-hmm. It was carefully planned. Um. First, there was a plot with a plaque set up in Woodland Cemetery. So I guess there was already a cemetery. Ready and for they, them? Yeah. And they just put like a plaque saying like, these are people from whatever. Right, 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 right. So then over a few days, workers transported the coffins and the stones. At the end of one day, the job not done, workers would leave the site at First United Cemetery it was unattended overnight, but no one could have guessed what was going to happen here because who the fuck would think that this would happen? Yeah. They arrived in the morning to find three things were stolen. A headstone, a coffin, and inside the coffin was Mary Jones Gage. To this day, no closure has been given. Nobody but a strange, twisted thief knows whatever happened to the body of Mary Jones Gage, and that is why she is so restless inside of Stony Creek Battlefield House. that's just like sad to me i don't like this was so sad a carefully i think it was carefully planned because for her to be the only person missing like she like somebody knew that that she was was buried there they knew affiliated with it probably knew about it or told someone about it i think it was one of the either one of the workers or somebody that one of the workers was working with sure and they were like this could get me some quick cash because she probably had Jewel, jewelry or historical 
things that they probably they sold just... her on the black market. Oh yeah, it was definitely a black market sell. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, like I doubt that they would have like just desecrated her body and taken her belongings. No, but they might have like stripped her clothing and like yeah sold the clothing as like historical clothing, and then probably like the body went to someone on the black market. So creepy. Mm-hmm. So sad. It's very sad. And yeah. yeah, I would totally be restless and haunting people. Yeah. That someone did that to my body. Also, I feel like, a, I always feel like anybody with the name like Marie, Maria, Mary, Mary yeah. I feel like they're a kindred spirit. Yeah, Even though fair. like it's just a name. But I just always feel that way. So I'm like angry for my sister. <laughs> my sister for Mary. For your sister Jones Mary. Gage. Sis. We my got sissy. you, sis. Uh, and that's the story of Mary Jones Gage. Cool. And also part of the story of the War of 1812. Yeah. And also, the first time we recorded this, Nicolina's roommate, Katie, our good friend Katie, walked upstairs. And she was like, my dad wrote a book about the War of 1812. I guess he was really... Yeah, he was heavily, heavily invested in, in learning and educating people about the War of 1812. And mm-hmm. he actually recently passed away. So mm-hmm. um, she feels like this is... A, a sign from her dad us yeah. doing this podcast today so that's that's kind of nice so what's up mr nixon yeah how, how are you doing i know you're just up there i just, hope we're doing him proud i, I, I hope that no i'm not kidding he's like sitting there being like they've got it all wrong probably he's like <laughs> his name was not augustus <laughs> oh my god uh, all right that's okay so i'm i'm gonna cover um also a a place that was uh, related to the war of 1812 but was constructed much earlier than that but has been since used during multiple wars and soldiers lived and died and fought in this location okay and it's um in philadelphia called fort um mifflin or as it was known at the time fort island battery and was commissioned in in 1771 um and construction started along the delaware and shikill rivers by the British. They wanted to protect their very prosperous port, which the Quaker William Penn had left without defense. The problem was that there was not enough funds to complete construction and the project was abandoned with only the east and south walls completed. Once the American rebels declared their independence, Benjamin Franklin formed a committee, the Philadelphia Committee of Public Safety, and they restarted construction on the fort and finally completed it in 1776. They named it Mifflin after its first commander, General Thomas Mifflin, who eventually became the first governor of the state of Pennsylvania. So, um, in 1777, Fort Mifflin would be the scene of the greatest sea battle of the Revolutionary War. The British bombarded Fort Mifflin with a barrage of cannonballs that would damage a large portion of the fort and leave hundreds of men dead. This was called the Battle of Mud Island. A couple of decades would pass before the fort was rebuilt. French architect and engineer Pierre L'Enfant had designed the plans for Washington, D.C., and President John Adams directed him to supervise the reconstruction of Fort Mifflin. The oldest existing complete structure is the blacksmith shop, which was built during the reconstruction in 1802. The fort was used again during the War of 1812. Yeah. So during the Civil War, the fort served as a prison for Confederate soldiers and federal prisoners from 1863 to 1865 and were housed in casemates number one. After the war, the army discontinued using it as an active fort. It was used again during World Wars I and II when the army stationed anti-aircraft guns there to defend the nearby Fort Mifflin Naval Ammunition Storage Depot and the United States Philadelphia Naval Shipyard. After 1954, the fort fell from use as a military post, and the federal government deeded it to the city of Philadelphia. Restoration efforts began in in the 1960s, um, and the United States Army Corps of Engineers set up shop at Fort Mifflin, and so it is now considered the oldest active military base in the United States, and the only base in use that predates the Declaration of Independence. However... Since then, many paranormal events have been experienced by groundskeepers and visitors of Fort Mifflin. Mm. The hauntings here appear to be residual hauntings, which is when energy is left over from an event and is dispersed into the ground, brick, walls, floors, whatever, and it then forms into a recreation of the event in a constant loop where the same apparitions happen over and over again. 
This is different from an intelligent haunting where the ghosts who want to communicate with actually have a goal in mind or, you know, they, right. they want help from the living and want the living to respond to that. Right. Um, the reason I bring this up is because the experiences that people have had with Fort Mifflin ghosts seem to all be similar in nature. So they continue without anyone being able to interact with these ghosts. Okay. Um, so go through these experiences. So it's not like there's a story of a ghost with one person. Right. It's everyone's experiencing the same things every single time they go right i think this is similar to mary although mary's moving her things in about the house right which Which i feel that's a bit different i feel that's more intelligent it might be but i i also think that employees have said that they see her walking around the house but i don't think which is kind of on a loop of things yeah yeah anyway regardless regardless or maybe she'll find an item and she'll be like that doesn't belong right which is a loop of things she's just it's her energy yeah for sure for sure So I'm just going to go through a, a, a bunch of the different sightings and hauntings and paranormal yes. people that are, well, not people, ghosts that yeah. are um, on Fort Mifflin. Um, and just before this, um, there is a Ghost Hunters episode of this. If anyone wants to watch it, they do catch a bunch of things. EVPs? Yeah, just a, EVPs. yeah, EVPs of this. So um, worth worth checking out. It's season four, episode one. Perfect. So yeah, there you go. So Jacob the blacksmith, um, so there's a black, there was a small blacksmith shop on the site. And the story is that the blacksmith named Jacob had an ongoing argument with the fort's commander. Jacob wanted to keep the back door to the shop open while he worked. It said you can hear a hammer hitting an anvil around the building, but when you go in, all goes quiet. It also said that the door keeps opening on its own. So Jacob's like, fuck you. I'm keeping it open. Yeah. Um, then it's there's, hot in here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, then there's the lamp lighter. Uh, there's now electric lighting throughout the fort and all the buildings. Mm-hmm. But the entity is seen walking in the second story balcony of the barracks building built around the War of 1812. He appears in the evening at twilight, carries a long pole with a flickering light at the end, and is lighting the lamps that would have hung on the balconies. Mm. The figure is pale and barely discernible. Um, Another rather humorous and friendly entity is the Revolutionary War Soldier and Tour Guide. Oh. Yeah. A friendly man dressed as a Revolutionary War war Soldier who will take you on a tour around the grounds. Shut up. Yeah. How is that not intelligent? Uh, That sounds intelligent to me, but maybe... I don't, I don't know. I feel like he, it would be like, he's just going through the motions. And if anyone asks him questions, he must put a disclaimer at the beginning of his tour being like, questions will not be answered (laughs) until the end of the tour. (laughs) So basically visitors have complimented the site on the excellent tour guide. Oh my God. The only problem is that no costume staff were working that day. Okay, that's got to be an intelligent one, but that that's the exception, not the rule. And nobody in the staff matches the description of the person. Oh my god. It's just a crazy person that comes on and makes <laughs> that's his dressed up. Yeah. It's fucking Gary under the bridge. It's him. <laughs> it just reminds me of Sweet Home Alabama when they're doing the recreation of <laughs> of the Revolutionary War and her like dad is all dressed up and like, yeah. Did you ever see um the movie Take This Waltz? No. Oh, you gotta watch it. Okay. Is it about it's stuff not related to that? Well, there's like a scene at the very beginning of the movie. Okay. There's like a reenact, like they're yeah. at a reenactment, but um, <laughs> it's it's a really good movie. It's filmed in Toronto, and it's Seth Rogen is in it, and Michelle Williams is in it. Oh, okay. Um, and it's not a comedy. It's like very I find that emotional. so odd when they are in those things, right? But yeah, but he he's incredible. It's a very emotional type movie. And um, it uh, it's filmed in Toronto, and it like the the story takes place in Toronto. So like, okay, yeah, but you should you should watch it. Anyways. I just find recreate like reenactments to be really funny. Like I find them. Funny, oh, the reenactment part is like they're at like a, a museum like this. Yeah, and they're watching a reenactment. Right, right, and they're, right, like, right. Laughing about of it. Of course. So, like, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, they think that this man was uh one a man who died during the bombardment. Okay. Um, who's just wants a job, you know? Yeah. yeah. He's just trying to make some coin. <laughs> yeah. However, the two most talked about and investigated entities are that of the screaming lady and William Howe. Oh, baby. I'm <laughs> yeah. excited. So it's actually not, it's it's actually not that scary, but the screaming oh. lady 
sounds extremely scary. Yeah, I like imagine. I mean, yeah. So the screaming lady, this is a spirit attributed to a woman named Elizabeth. The story goes that Elizabeth was married to an officer and her daughter, who lived with them at the fort, fell in love with and wanted to marry an enlisted man. Elizabeth could not accept this and disowned her daughter. The daughter then died of typhoid fever before they could reconcile, which threw Elizabeth into a deep depression. She then then hung herself over the balcony of the second floor of the officer's quarters, and reoccurring screams have been heard in the area of the officer's quarters. The ghost hunters captured an EVP in this area that sounds like a child asking for mommy. Oh, God. Um, while police have also been called out several times to investigate the screams. Oh, those ones are always the ones that get me where police come to investigate and there's nothing there's there. There's nothing there. Yeah. So that's that's her story um, that basically she just screams out all the time. At the, um, so, yeah, the people who work there are like, we hear screaming. What's going on? Yeah. All the time. Um, and then William Howe, probably the person you will hear about most often, was a Civil War deserter, traitor, and deserter, yeah. traitor, and murderer. Oof. He was captured and held at Fort Mifflin until he was hung on gallows built in the middle of the fort. Once again, the truth is much more tragic. Howe was a private with a local Pennsylvania regiment during the Civil War. He was very highly esteemed by his superiors and today w- would be what we would call war hero. After he was injured at the Battle of Fredericksburg, he and some other men were told to go to the hospital in D.C. to recuperate. When they reached the hospital, there was no more room. Howe left his companions and went home to Pennsylvania to recover. One of his ailments is listed as inflammation of the bowels, which might have been dysentery, an awful condition marked by severe abdominal cramps and frequent bloody diarrhea. Nice. When the local union officers found out about this, they went to Howe's home to arrest him. The men hammered on the door. Howe fired two shots out the window, and the men fled. Howe did not know that he had fatally shot one of the men. Several days later, he was arrested and taken to Fort Mifflin to stand trial. He was charged with de- desertion because he left the hospital. Oh, my God. And murder because he killed the people who were coming to kid the man that was coming right. towards his house found guilty and sentenced to death by hanging during his time at Fort Mifflin. He was held in an underground cell, um, which was casemate 11, which I believe is um, what they mostly, yes, they, they discussed this um, and they discuss it a lot in the um, ghost hunters episode. Mm-hmm. Um, so he was um, held in an underground cell. He was executed at the fort on August 26th, 1864 he was 24 years old at the time and has the distinction of being the only person ever executed at the fort he has been associated with an entity called the faceless man who is seen mostly in and around casemate five why faceless at the time it was customary to put a bag over the head of the person you were hanging yes okay um um so yeah so to spare everyone the sight of that so in 2006, Wayne, the fort take care, take caretaker, mm-hmm. was moving was mow, mowing the grass. The rear rear wheel of the riding mower started sinking. He got the mower unstuck and did a little bit of digging to figure out that the hole, oh what God. the hole was all about. Was it the gallows? Oh my God! He found steps leading down and into the side oh. of the fort. Excavations revealed stairs then a short underground hallway, then a small room, and then a slightly larger room. So imagine a stone room about the size of a walk-in closet that leads into a second room with the size of a large bathroom. It's thought that this was the original powder magazine, aka storage, for the fort, and that chargers and torpedoes were made here by the soldiers. If there was an explosion, it would have, contained, it would have been contained. We also know that this is where William Howe was kept. And we know this because he wrote his name on the wall. Oh, my God. The area is open and now called Casemate 11, if you visit. Okay. It is a bit claustrophobic, but um, the, uh, the, apparently people have gone and, like, they've not been, like, haunted. Okay. But in the Ghost Hunters episode, they go in in the dead of night. Right. And they literally cannot – they're, like, stifled by the presence that they feel. Like, they just – 
within like minutes are like, I got to get out of here. Like I can't push myself any further. Like they're freaking out. Um, so it, they reported a crouching figure in the corner, hearing footsteps, um, flashlight and camera malfunction. So they were leading down into the area and then all of a sudden their flashlights would start flickering and go out. Okay. Um, the air thickening, uh, hearing breathing footsteps and scratching and the feeling of not feeling alone. One of the investigators sensed a cold spot. He looked through a vent shaft into the larger room. Um, it looks like a small window opening and saw a face with blonde hair and scraggly beard. Oh God. And in the EVP, um, the room they caught, um, in the, the, uh, auto, uh, auto recordings, mm-hmm. the boss wants it deeper. And it was later revealed that casemate 11 was refurbished in 1861. As part of this, the floor was dug up in order to make the room deeper. Oh my God. So they heard someone say, make and it deeper. And then they're like, what does this mean? Yeah. And, and so they asked, they found, they found out. that out. Yeah. Oh my God. That's and fucked. then also they found someone say, can I get some water? And they found out that their cameraman was drinking water <gasps> at the time. And oh that's God. when they heard someone saying, can I get some water? Cause they're oh working. God, that's so sad. Yeah. That's really sad. Um, so in addition to this, there's been other, um, reported disembodied uh, voices of children, men and women, dogs barking, the figure of a sad man walking on the road towards one of the gates, the sense of fire and bread baking might be left over from the reenactments. So take it from a, with a grain of salt, yeah. but, um, people have been touched, pushed, pulled, and sometimes restrained. Oh, that's terrifying. Restrained is scary. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, and so one of the investigators said that I've been to this site over 10 times, usually in November when it's cold. The ladies room is one of the few places with heat, a nice place to change clothes or get dressed in the morning or duck in to just warm up a bit. I always get the creeps there and a feeling of being watched a few times just outside the ladies room and in a little hallway leading to the outside. I've turned around and expected to see someone, but there was nobody there. Not a big scraggly cat and used to not not a big scaredy cat and used to walking around sites at night but this one this was just one of those places where i bring a buddy um a lot of activity can also be reported in the casemates reports are of pale outlines shadows faceless men in confederate uniforms walking in this area camera problems feelings of not being alone given the history of uh, as a prison misery and number of deaths in this area it makes sense this is where two of my experience. So this is the same woman exper- like mm-hmm. explaining her experiences. Two of my experiences happened. Um, the entity known as the faceless man is reported in casemate five. Um, so basically she says, when we went for a visit for a history event, the reenactors live in the fort and stay for the whole weekend. We usually arrive Friday night. My group stays in one of the large casemates and leave, uh, leaves on Sunday afternoon. At an event a few years ago, I was walking from the bathroom back to our casemate. It was a Saturday morning, and to go back, you have to go along a flagstone path sidewalk, then into the casemate tunnel. You go around a bend, and then the casemate door is left is on the left. Since it was morning before the site opened to visitors, I didn't have my cap and hat on yet. Thanks to an experiment with Clairol, what I did have was long blonde hair. I came around the bend and was slowly going down to open the door to the casemate when I felt a hard yank on my ponytail. Oh my God. So hard that you could almost, that I almost felt backwards. I turned around ready to smack whoever did it, but nobody was there. Oh my God. Yeah. Um, so then she read that there was entities and reports of the entity in that area um, for a blonde haired woman. So they must've thought it was, the like the woman like the ghost was responding to her and pulling her hair i don't i don't know um so yeah i mean you can still go take tours and see if the place is haunted for yourself let's go all right all right all right let's go all right let's go that's my story oh good one girl you killed it yeah you know um we we got a hometown haunt today but it's yeah well, I yeah, mean, it's a special one. It's a special hometown haunt. We have a visitor. 
Okay, so we have a very special guest on our podcast today. We're really excited to have him on. Um, He's a radio personality, he's on TV, and he has his own podcast called Issue Zero. Uh, Everyone, please welcome Fearless Fred to our spooky podcast. Thank you. You're very welcome. (laughs) So you lived in a haunted house in Belgium, you said? Yeah, um, because my family's military. Like, I'm Canadian, I'm not from Belgium, but my family's military, so we moved around and... When uh, I was very young, we moved to uh, Belgium and we moved to southern Belgium near Mons. Now, anybody who's familiar with Mons knows that there was a lot of battles that were fought there during the First World War and the Second World War, uh, not to mention all the countless battles throughout history that have been fought in that region. And uh, when we lived there, we lived in this house um, in a, it was a small village called Erchi, which is, which was to the northwest of of Mons per se. And uh, this village was called Erchi, and the house that we lived in was built in uh, the eighteen. It was seventeen eighties. It was the seventeen eighties was when the house was built, and it was originally part of a chateau complex that was there. And this house that we lived in was where the servants all lived together in this one house that was originally on the property. But uh, as time and wars went on, the chateau ended up being destroyed, uh, but the servants' quarters house was still there. And the land ended up getting divided and so on and so forth. Uh, And as things changed, this house that we lived in was actually three stories tall, and it made it one of the tallest buildings in the area. And during the Second World War, the Germans used that house as a command post uh, where they would, you know, do all their maps and they'd have the generals make orders and send them out to the soldiers in the area. And so that house was like a headquarters, per se, of the Germans. And a lot of nefarious things happened in that house before we moved in. Oh, yeah, it sounds like it would be. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's terrifying. I have like a I'm super interested in anything to do with World War Two. I always have been since I was a kid. So like, as soon as you said that my eyes lit up and I looked at Nicolina like super excited mm-hmm. about it. Um, so what kind of stuff went on while you were living there? Well, like ghostly stuff that happened while I was living there? Yeah. Well, so my mother and father told me a lot of this stuff after we had already moved out. They didn't tell me that uh, while I was living there uh, or my sister, but stuff would be left in the pantry in the kitchen. And then when my mother would come down the next day, it would be out of the pantry on the cup on the countertop Uh, stuff that was left on the countertop would be on the floor in another room. Um, There was one time where my mother was trying to uh, do laundry and she had the dryer going and she would hang some stuff to dry outside and every time she would leave and come back in, the dryer was off, but there was nothing wrong with the refrigerator. I'm not the refrigerator, the dryer. And so things like that would happen all the time. Um, But for me, uh, I have what I think and, and my parents and my family Nobody has had an experience like this, but they all remember when it happened. Um, The house, the way it was designed, uh, had two flights of stairs. Like, it was three stories, like I said. And the attic had been completely redone. The family that owned the house owned the house during the Second World War. And they had a policy where they would only rent the house to Canadians, and they would only rent the house to Canadian enlisted men. So no officers, just enlisted men like uh, privates, corporals, uh, sergeants, etc. Um, and so the reason for that was because uh, when the Canadians were advancing and liberating that part of Belgium in the Second World War, it was actually a Canadian soldier that shot a German officer on the front lawn of the house who was about to execute the owner's mother while the Germans were retreating. And so he refused to rent to anybody but Canadians for that reason. Oh, wow. And so, dude, I've got way more about what happened in that house. Where do we we get there? (laughs) I I thought we were there. 
I mean, not, like, okay. So did, so you've, your mom experienced a lot, obviously. You and your sister lived there not knowing that it was haunted then? Well, we all, you're young. You just have these ideas that it's old, but everything in Europe is really old. That's the thing you got to understand uh, when you live there versus visit there. When you're knee deep in it and you grow up with it, everywhere you go, there's crazy things that have happened. There was a road in the town that we lived in, in Erschi, uh, and part of it was built by the Romans, right by the Grand Place. There was a cobblestone section of road that had been in use since Julius Caesar pacified the area, like in 60 BC. So Europe is old. That's the thing about Europe is everything's old. Um, and the way the house was built, the flights of stairs were on top of each other. So the staircase that went up to the second floor right above it was a staircase that went to the attic. And the thing about the attic specifically was that was where the makeshift command was. It was in the attic and it was up there because it was high enough for them to get a good signal with their antennas. And also there was port windows on every side so you could see all around the plane because that area of Belgium is pretty flat. It's a lot of farmland. So they would have sniper positions there and you could see everywhere. So that was where the officers always would be. And one night I got in trouble and... I was sent upstairs, so I wasn't allowed to be downstairs while everybody was watching TV or whatever, watching, like, the two English channels that you have access to. Um, so I'm at the top of the stairs, and I was just playing Nintendo, and I was sitting there, and you ever, you ever hear, like, boots on hardwood? Oh, yeah. 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 So I could hear boots. But it's not the impact of the boot on the the st on the floor, but the compression of the wood that like the not like it's a movie, you know, not like like over cliche. You just you get used to the sounds that your house make. This is the house that I've lived in for years. I know what it sounds like when someone's upstairs. But then the st the sound gets close to the edge of the stairs. And then I hear it, and I remember looking immediately over, and there's, like, bunk, bunk, bunk. Not ominous, okay? Not like it's, it's, it, it wasn't like a movie. It was somebody walking down the stairs. <laughs> <laughs> heavy, like heavy footsteps. Yeah. And then the door unlatched oh and then just opened up. And I remember I sat there and I didn't scream. I didn't freak out. I just kind of sat there looking at it being like, what? Like you're, I don't know, maybe, maybe when you're younger, you're not anticipating evil. But I was not frightened so much as confused, if that makes any sense. There was nothing mean and ominous about it. Just weird. I have something similar that happened to me when I was younger. Well, like a few years ago, I'd say when I was at my living at my parents' house about like ten years ago, yeah. and my bed started shaking, and <laughs> I like that's normal. While I was in it, and I thought to myself, it must be a ghost. And then, <laughs> but I was, I my parents' house is haunted, so I was like, what the fuck ever. And then I was on my computer. And all these people started posting on Facebook that an earthquake just oh, happened. Oh, so it wasn't a ghost. So it wasn't. Wait, but, wait to be a... But also, I was the same. I was like, huh, that's huh. weird. Must have been a ghost. But we don't... Maybe a ghost caused the earthquake. We don't know. We don't know. <laughs> we, don't, we don't know. The butterfly effect, But you just man. weren't... You weren't like, I'm going to get out of this bed. You're like, no, it's just yeah. a ghost. It's just the ghost. So. Um, and you're just sitting there, I'm going to go back to my Nintendo 64 game. <laughs> well, no, this was like original Nintendo. This was 1990. Oh. So, like, this was a long time ago. I was 12 <laughs> years old then. And I, I remember, like, sitting there playing and then just looking over as the door unlatches and the thing is there. And I can remember the sound of the footsteps because it didn't feel like a movie scenario. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Did anything ever happen there that did scare you? No, not really. It, because 
I, and and I've and I've talked to people that have had paranormal experiences as well, and some people have these paranormal experiences that feel very threatening. There was never anything. Th- there was never anything threatening that ever went on in that house. And I remember my mother, my mother does like aura healing and she always, she's very spiritual. And she says that anybody that is still in this house with us is fully aware of how much we love being here and they have no problems with us being here either. They're just fun, fun and mischievous at best. But then after I found out that the Germans executed all kinds of prisoners of war in the basement and so I'm partly thinking, like, maybe they were Canadians and are just glad there's still Canadians in the house. Oh, maybe. Oh, my God. That's horrifying. Yeah. Oh, my God. That is horrifying. Oh. Now, my older sister had another experience in the house. Um, I, like, everybody, I don't know if this was, like, the time, but everybody had, like, not, uh, like, like, lace curtains. Mm, yeah, yeah. That was the thing in the 80s, I guess, that you did. Still have them, yeah. (laughs) I do still have them in my home, so. And I remember my, like, this is my sister's story, so this is secondhand. Mm -hmm. But she said that one time she was in my parents' bedroom in the summer and she was upstairs getting something, and when a breeze came in and the curtains went back, they kind of, like, draped down like they were draping over somebody rather than flowing back out into the curtain itself out into the window itself oh my god yeah like and i thought that would be kind of freaky but the way she explained my sister has way bigger balls than i do i can totally (laughs) but again and it was she explains the story the same way where she wasn't frightened so much as confused and it kind of like stops you and you're almost entranced the way you're looking at what is happening here right Oh man, I don't know. I probably would have run out screaming. Yeah, actually, I think so or just like stood still and like peed my pants. I saw a ghost. I saw a full-bodied apparition in my parents' house, and I Excuse like. Excuse me. I will. I have told you, okay. This. Okay. but I um, no. I think I reacted the same way. I was kind of just frozen, frozen going yeah. like, "What was that?" Like I always thought if I ever saw something, I would run around screaming, but. No, I was frozen. <laughs> yeah. What did it look like? Like, was it a full body? Could you see their face? Yeah. Um, okay. So what had happened was I was asleep and I had heard my sister and I are two years apart and we had shared a bedroom and I had heard her get up in the middle of the night. Uh, we were really young. I think she was like seven and I was nine and she had gotten up to, I th- probably, I don't know, go get my mom. She was probably scared of something. And I would wake up and I would stop her before she'd go to my mom's room just to be like, oh, you don't have to wake up mom or bother mom. Like I'm awake. It's fine. So I sat up. I saw someone standing at the end of my bed about the same height as my sister. And it was it all the lights are out. So I couldn't make out any facial features, but I thought it was her. And I just said, Natalie, like I'm awake, come back to bed. And it turned and looked at me. But again, all black because all the lights are out. Yeah. And uh, just faded away. Yeah. And that was it. Oh, snap. I thought something crazy was going to happen there. Oh, sorry. <laughs> and it was Michelle Barton, and she told you to hide under the table with you. <laughs> and it wasn't like dream, like sleep paralysis it or It wasn't, because then I sat in my bed, frozen, completely frozen. I still can remember how my I had never felt my heart ma- like Race. beat this hard yeah. before. Sitting there, frozen in the same position, like leaning like I was sleeping on my stomach so I'm still on my stomach but like leaning up and like turned and I sat there for honest on I'm not exaggerating when I say probably a good three minutes where I just sat sat and stared at the spot and couldn't move because I was too afraid to do anything anything, so I knew I hadn't been dreaming because I had been awake for three minutes still staring at this (laughs) so yeah that was it I was confused also because the people that had uh, owned the house before us were the ones who built the house. So we just figured it was one of them. One of them must have passed away. Well, the Americans came across through that region during the War of 1812 a lot. There was a lot of battles in that area, particularly around like uh, 
uh, Niagara on the lake and leading up to the escarpment as well. That's very no. true, actually. Entirely possible. Man, maybe it was then. Jeez. You never I know. I don't know. And I don't, I don't know. I have like scary things that have happened. I bought my, I bought my grandma's house and, uh, I, I had scary things happen in that house, but we called a priest and they stopped happening. So Really? So they exercised it. I guess he, I don't know if he performed a full exorcism, um, or if he blessed the house and asked whatever it was to leave us alone, but it stopped happening after he came. Well, if you ever need that to happen again, my father-in-law is a Cree shaman. He can do a smudging ceremony and take care of everything for you. I might take you up on that if it ever happens again. I hope it doesn't. But if it ever does, if it ever does, I'll definitely hit you up. Um, All right. Do you have anything else you want to add about the house you grew up in there or... No, 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 no. That those are the only two real stories that I've got. My parents, like if they're drinking, have more stories. But <laughs> mine, I remember specifically the stairs and the door unlatching and it like just opening up and kind of like staring at it, being like, "What the shit's going on?" I yeah, should. That's pretty vivid. Get your mom on the podcast to cleanse my yeah. aura and then tell her, get her to tell me stories after. Yeah. <laughs> so funny, man. She'll start like moving her hands around you and humming. It's the most ridiculous thing ever. I won't laugh. I feel like I need a good aura cleansing in my life right now. <laughs> that was our conversation with Fearless Fred about the haunted house that he lived in in Belgium. And we're super appreciative for him coming onto the podcast. And now we're going to move on to our game of Fuck, Mary Kill. So um, we're going to take a little bit of a different approach to this uh, uh, episode of Fuck, Mary Kill. Um because we've been talking about historical buildings and, and landmarks and things like that. And because I've been inspired by um, <laughs> lunatics on Netflix, uh, we thought we would do uh, something related to objectophilia, which is um, when you have uh, a love or desire or affinity for an inanimate object, inanimate object. <laughs> so we're going to pick three um buildings or landmarks that we would either want to fuck marry or kill okay so do you want to go first you go first because i went first last week all right time okay um so first um we're gonna go with big ben okay um tower london okay so those are both british yeah and then the great wall of china okay (laughs) so which one would you rather fuck marry or kill I'm going to kill the Great Wall of China. Yeah. The only reason is it's too much for me. It's, it's a bit too much. too much to walk. I can't do it. <laughs> Justin Bieber had to have his fucking security peep personnel oh, really? carry him partway. <laughs> you don't know this story? No, I don't it's know great. that story. He piggybacked on them. Sick. Um. So unfortunately, no. Okay. Oh. I lied. I'm going to kill Tower of London. What? Why? I'm going to... Because... Because... I'm going to marry the Great Wall of China. We're getting married. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm sorry. It's just too historic, I feel. Fair enough. Okay. And then I'm just going to have sex with Big Ben. Yeah, Big Ben's a big, big ben. guy. Yeah. That's my boy. That's a boy. That's a biggie. Uh, biggie, biggie, biggie. Can't, Can't you see? Um, okay, I've got mine are Canadian themed. Okay, so I've got, great. So fuck, marry, or kill. Uh house of parliament in ottawa <laughs> yeah okay <laughs> the cn tower nice or the montreal biosphere shit well i have no attachments to the montreal biosphere i okay. don't even never been like, never will go yeah care. so okay. i might have to kill it okay yeah that's okay fair. yeah um it's a pretty sexy looking building. I'm is, just it, saying. is it? I might want to have sex with it. I've never seen it. It looks like Epcot Center. Oh, that and... thing. No, I'm still killing it. Okay, goodbye. Still killing it. Um, I'm going to ma- marry Parliament. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. That just. Absolutely. Obviously. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which and then I'm going to have sex with the Tower because like Not geographically I could make that happen. <laughs> You couldn't make it happen for House of Parliament? I mean, it's just not like he couldn't be my fuckboy, like, buddy. Right. You know? Like, if you were going to commit Yeah, it would be a bit difficult. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it'd be difficult to have as a fuck buddy, but you could probably do it as, like, a (laughs) real thing. Yeah. 
I could possibly marry that. Yeah. Make like, that effort. You're but ambitious. I'm very ambitious. Tower. My God. Yeah, I really <laughs> sick. Also, it's very long and narrow. Phallic shaped. <laughs> it's very phallic shaped. <laughs> that really sold You're it for so me. Fucking dumb. Okay, yeah. great. Well, that that's there your episode of Paranormal this week. Um, stay tuned. Oh, that also, we cool. didn't mention the... Uh, oh, we've got lots of stuff oh, we've to t- talk about. We, we definitely... To plug. No, I'm just kidding. Go ahead. No, we, <laughs> we had talked about this, but then we didn't talk about it, is that our we have a new um, intro once again. Oh, yeah. We have a new intro. Thank you to Aaron yeah. for our new intro. He told me that he got annoyed with the old one, so he made us a new one. What a guy. So hopefully you guys like that one. Yeah. The new one. Um, we have Instagram. It's at Paranormal Pod. Twitter at Paranormal Pod underscore. Mm-hmm. Our personal Instagrams. Mine is at Splendora underscore. And uh, keep sending us your hometown haunts because uh, Nicolina's is at Nicolina Savelli. Oh, sorry. Instagram. No, it's okay. I didn't even hear that you it's were fine. talking about yourself. Um, yeah, obviously I am. Um, and keep sending us your hometown haunts. Obviously, this week we had a guest come on and tell theirs. So. Yes. Keep sending them in, send in voice memos. That would be cool to have a voice memo. I like played. that. That'd be um, great. Yeah. Yeah. Or just email them in and we'll read them. We've gotten a lot of good ones. Like we have a lot to choose from now. So I'm excited about that. And that's, I think, it. We've got our Patreon, patreon.com slash paranormal pod. But yeah, stay are, tuned for, yeah. for some more stuff on that because we are working. We have big things in the works. Yes. Huge. Hu- huge. Huge, 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 big mistake, huge, but it won't be a mistake. It's a great idea. Anyway, I think that's it. Mm -hmm, That's it. Stay spooky. Of that showbiz. Goodbye.